Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steppy, here in Nashville ahead of the Music City Bowl coming up on Saturday between Iowa and Kentucky. Setting aside some time this week to answer your questions. Thanks to everyone in our Hawkeye Sports text update group for sending in the great questions this week. You can join them by going to joinsubtext.com slash Hawkeyes. So first one here on my screen, will Cooper DeGene be healthy for Saturday's bowl game? All signs point toward yes right now. Was participating in practice in the portions of practice that we're able to see. Looks like everything's good to go. Obviously, really an important piece to what Iowa does defensively as the Nebraska game really showed when he was gone. Then two questions that are kind of tied together. Are the Iowa practices closed or have you had a chance to watch Labus? And then the other question, has Labus looked good or iffy in practices you have seen? So we get access to two of the practices this week and it's for the first 20 or so minutes of each of those practices. First one is probably a little longer than 20 minutes, probably somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes. The other one was probably a little shorter, probably I think it's like 17 minutes or something like that. Don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head. But long story short, an inconclusive sample size to be able to say, oh yeah, Iowa is definitely well off with him at quarterback. The most important thing is there weren't any red flags from those opportunities to watch him. So that's a good sign there. Sometimes with these, it's more easy to know that, okay, there isn't bad news more so than there is good news with just this size of sample size. The other thing with Labus in these practices, too, is it's hard to really simulate what a game experience is going to be like. It's obviously a lot different in practice. You don't have the fans. You don't have the same necessarily urgency necessarily you don't have the tv cameras you don't have the all the just pressure the defense etc that the opposing defense i should say that you don't see every day in practice so when the bullets are flying to use an analogy that some player has used before at some point that's really when we're going to get to see, okay, what can Joe Labus do? And of course, it's not an easy set of circumstances that he has taken over in this situation after being pretty much entirely on scout team during the fall. So we'll see what happens. Then I really love this question from Howie. A recruiting question, is Casper or Proctor more of a loss in recruiting? He thinks it's Casper because Iowa needs skilled position players and believes offensive line will be fine. This is a really interesting question, and for a quick little bit of back history for people who aren't aware, Kyler Casper, son of a former Hawkeye, talented wide receiver, Iowa recruited him from Arizona. Um, Iowa recruited him. He goes to Oregon instead of Iowa. Keaton Proctor flipped his commitment from Iowa to Alabama, was verbally committed to the Hawkeyes since the summer. In-state product, five-star offensive lineman, somebody who you'd really like to have. There are 
I thought of this as I was on my way to dinner, and there are two kind of buckets or perspectives, I guess it might be the better way of saying it, that you can think of this from. The first one is from a recruiting wins and losses perspective of, okay, what does this mean in terms of the way that Iowa can recruit? And if you're looking at it from that perspective, I definitely say Proctor is a home state player at your signature position group. It goes without saying Iowa's track record with producing NFL offensive linemen. When you look at those two factors, Iowa has an NIL infrastructure in place, and it's pretty safe to say that there would be a lot of Iowa boosters or business owners who would want to support a five-star offensive lineman from inside the state. So when you have all those factors in play, it stings. For Iowa to lose somebody, especially right before the signing period as well. Then from the standpoint that I think is actually probably more important, which is from a roster building standpoint of, okay, are you building a championship caliber team? I think it's still Proctor. When you think about it, the offensive line is the foundation of what Iowa does. And... At wide receiver, you look at it, and there's no guarantee that they'd necessarily be able to use Casper to his full potential when you look at the Charlie Jones case study of what happened when he was here at Iowa versus what he did when he was at Purdue. Then what does the receiving core look like? Any players lost? So Brody Brecht was back in practice, so as far as we're aware, everyone should be healthy in the receiving core. Sam Porta said last week that he thought he was going to be 100% ready to go for this game. And then what we saw in practice backs that up. In terms of just overall compared to the season, obviously the loss of Arlen Bruce via the transfer portal, that one is significant. If Keegan Johnson would have been healthy and if he didn't transfer, I think he could have been a factor in this game as well. So you have those losses. But for the most part, this receiving core is going to look fairly similar to what we've seen throughout this regular season. How is the new and improved offense progressing? Will the RPO remain in the offense next fall? I would caution against the term new and improved until we see exactly how new it is and exactly how improved it is. We've seen the RPO in practice, but just because we've seen it in a portion of practice, does not necessarily mean that we'll see it in game. So that I would have as kind of the first disclaimer there. In terms of how much RPO could we maybe see next fall, anything at this point is just a prediction. But I think it depends a lot on who's quarterback. If Joe Labus were to somehow beat out Cade McNamara, then it'd probably be a higher likelihood of seeing some RPO, but Really, all signs point toward Cade McNamara being the presumed QB1 for next year. So if that is the case, probably won't see a ton of RPO. I could be wrong, but I wouldn't bet on a ton of RPO with Cade McNamara at QB. Then a comment about Petrus being a better quarterback than what we saw this year if he had a different cast around him. I think that's a very valid point when you look at 
The offensive line ahead of him was not very reliable. The receiving core he's working with did not have a ton of depth, particularly at wide receiver. But at the same time, Spencer did have a... NFL tight end to throw to with Sam Laporta and Swoog Lachey could get to that point too in a couple of years. So there were certainly some games that Spencer should have done better on and I think he's probably well aware of that. I don't think this is any earth-shattering news to him. But you look at it, if there was better support around him, of course I think his results would have been a lot better, especially I think with the offensive line. And to that point, I think I wrote somewhere, or I told somebody, it kind of gets to be a blur at some point, that the thing with Cade McNamara, before they got the Eric Hall commitment, was, okay, it's great that you get McNamara now, but what's going to be around him? If McNamara goes from Michigan to Iowa, and if he doesn't have Michigan-level support around him, one, it's probably not realistic to expect Michigan-level results. So, a thing to kind of keep in mind, a bit of food for thought there. Then a question about Kentucky players who are sitting out of the bowl or transferred. What does their roster look like? In terms of bowl opt-outs, the two biggest ones I think a lot of people have heard about is quarterback Will Levis, who's going to be probably a very high NFL draft pick, and running back Chris Rodriguez. The other one also on that list is defensive back Carrington Valentine, although he's not as much of a household name. Then, so right there, before I go into transfers, obviously those are significant losses. When you look at it, that South Carolina loss that Kentucky had, it didn't help that they were without Will Levis for that game. So it makes you wonder really what that might, what that might look like. Then with the transfer portal, Rodriguez's backup, Smoke, is in the portal at running back. Wide receiver has really been decimated for Kentucky in the portal. Four guys have left via the portal. And, of course, Iowa did lose four scholarship wide receivers last year at wide receiver. But it helped that they didn't have all four of them before the bowl game and Charlie Jones was an option at least there. So that position is going to be probably the one of the bigger question marks for Kentucky going into this bowl game. Iowa has its fair share of question marks with Labus making his first career start, etc. You look at Kentucky, they still have some question marks too. So that's the other thing too to keep in mind is neither of these teams are necessarily at full strength or the level of strength that they were at last year when they played in the Citrus Bowl. Um, Next part of that question is kind of in general about the opponent. So there are some similarities in terms of what I'm going to say about Kentucky. Some of this can apply to Iowa too in terms of this is a team that has won thanks to their defense to a large extent. They've lost some games that they probably shouldn't have lost, and as a result, they got to 7-5 and five in a season where expectations were most certainly above that. With Kentucky, Will Levis had some really good games and is a talented guy. Not having him is certainly a loss. 
So it'll be an interesting matchup. It's also interesting as I'm looking at this matchup. I look at the regular season results, but at the same time, the regular season results only go so far considering that these teams are different than what they were when each of these teams last played. And then I've seen some messages with some frustration about Iowa men's basketball after their loss tonight to Nebraska, and now two straight losses after the Eastern Illinois loss at home. The Eastern Illinois loss was really, really, really bad. That's probably going to be a quadrant four loss, which is the worst kind of loss that you can have on your NCAA tournament resume. The Nebraska loss, it certainly wasn't pretty. They certainly need to hit shots. They need to win games like those to be an NCAA tournament team. But it's not quite as bad as losing to a team as bad as Eastern Illinois on the road. This could be potentially a quadrant one loss. So Nebraska looked good at points tonight. And if they stay in that top 75 of the net rankings, okay, then that's a quadrant one loss for Iowa. Not so bad. You can live with that. Even a quadrant two loss you can live with. But you have to start winning these games. You look at eight and five. You're starting to give yourself a little bit less of margin for error because even though you've got a lot of strong teams in the Big Ten, if you lose to all these strong teams, your resume only goes so far and they've got a tough stretch ahead at Penn State, home against Indiana, at Rutgers, and they're already 0-2 in Big Ten play, so their back is a little bit against the wall. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hawk Off the Press podcast of another episode back from Iowa City next week. Until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.